You've heard the expression, curiosity killed the cat? Yeah. So kind of like a cat might try and learn about electrical wires by chewing on them, we, too, should be wary of being too curious, lest it uncovers something we do not want to know. Or we could find that what it is we seek and long for might actually be harmful. That's what that expression means. Asking questions is an expression of vulnerability. Not just because nobody likes to admit that they don't know something, and we fear ridicule and shame, but also because if we are actually asking, genuinely, we understand that we might not like the answer we hear. And yet, I think curiosity is a hallmark of a good leader, and it is an important part of what it means to live a Christian life. Nicodemus, in our gospel story, is who we wish we could be. I have some envy of Nicodemus, right? He had the opportunity to speak one-on-one -on -one with Jesus about something very complicated. He speaks with Jesus out of curiosity, but also out of desire. He was thirsty for explanation, yes, but also for reassurance, for a world free from oppression, fear, and cruelty. I wonder, what would you ask Jesus if you could sneak out in the cover of darkness for a hushed and private conversation? What are you longing for Jesus to tell you? And as an important follow-up question, would you be still and open and quiet enough to hear the answer? We are always rushing to fill silences to find some sort of certainty, to create answers out of a lack of knowing, running the risk that the realities of what Jesus lived and died for, the realities of what God is up to, we risk that slipping past us. I had a conversation recently with dear friends about what it means to know and believe in God according to what scripture tells us. I think it is important, perhaps, to examine our own proclivities and biases when thinking about what it is we believe. What is the role of historical research in the interpretation of scripture? What is the role of archaeology? What is the role of allegory or symbolism or storytelling? What do we make of different translations? And if we think one part of scripture is symbolic, then how can we decide which parts to believe and which parts we shouldn't believe. What's true? What's accurate? What happened? What is this? And as Nicodemus asks, how can this be? I'm sorry to tell you that there aren't easy answers to such questions. Jesus himself asks more questions than he answers, and he often answers questions with another question. This can be very exasperating. Nicodemus is asking, how can this be? How can we be born again, twice? And the question, how can this be, there are two ways to interpret him asking this question. Okay, There's the kind of logistic mechanical version. How can this be? 
Tell me how. Write it down. Draw me a picture and point to how this can be. There's also the hopeful and desiring version. How can this be? How can I be a part of this? I want to understand. The first version, which is the demand to know how, that shuts down any room for possibility. The second actually invites possibility. The first is a demand for God to explain himself on our terms. The second is a genuine desire to be a part of something good. It is the golden thread that ties our greatest hopes with our strongest beliefs. This question, how can this be, reveals a spectrum to us. On one end, there is the school of literal scriptural interpretation. The other end is a post-enlightenment skepticism. So by accepting the reality that scripture often means a whole lot more than what it says, does it mean that we don't believe what is written? Or alternatively, if we eliminate the possibility of rhetorical devices and look at scripture more like a textbook or a documentary, does it mean that there is no room for us to wonder about its layers and depths? There is such a wide spectrum between both of those assumptions, but at the extreme, both approaches promise declarative certainty in our own ability to understand. Both shut down any sort of possibility, creative, creativity, or revelation. Both permit our belief to favor our own sense of mastery over this living, breathing, complicated text. And this is something to be very wary of. Perhaps you grew up in one or both of these schools. Perhaps you're somewhere in the middle. Perhaps you were taught literal biblical interpretation. Perhaps you were taught in a more postmodern, post-enlightenment skepticism. How can this be, right? I think many of us in the Episcopal Church are tempted towards this side, right? This approach of scriptural interpretation that, of course, scripture contains symbolism and allegory. Of course, it tells us stories that require us to re suspend reality and put our trust in our own experience of God as the foundation of our belief. When we treat scripture as merely a poem or a work of art, and many parts of scripture are both of those, I think there's a risk here. We can forget to be curious. We can forget to turn to scripture for answers, and there are answers in scripture. We forget to put our longing for the kingdom into dialogue with the remarkable miracle that is the Bible. If all scripture is is a collection of abstract stories that may or may not have happened, we have a hard time professing our belief. I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room who has felt that way. Notice how Nicodemus's story becomes less about mechanics and proof and more about faith. Christ reminds him that the spirit breathes where it will and that belief in God promises eternal life. The question of belief has so many complicated layers and facets, and I think it looks differently for each person. It isn't something I can dictate to you, 
But I can, however, share where I find my own belief. I find it in Scripture, in the feelings Scripture brings out in me, in my heart. My belief comes from the flow of never-ending questions and a never-ending desire to know more about God. I long to ask questions of Scripture, not to put it to the test, not to poke holes in it, not because I know better, but because I believe it has so much more to offer me than I know right now. I believe that because I believe in what the text itself says, in the beginning was the Word. That the Word has made it to us today across time and geography, culture, against all odds. That's a miracle. And I believe in the power of that miracle. I love the story of Nicodemus because I believe in the power of asking questions in good faith. Though we do not have the ability to meet Christ in life, we can turn to Scripture where the Christ, the Word, dwells and ask the questions we have without fear of judgment or scolding. Asking questions is good. They invite newness, exploration, genuine connection with God. Lent is a phenomenal time to ask questions, both of scripture and also of ourselves regarding our own desires and interpretation styles. Maybe during Lent we shift to the other side for a little bit. So what would you ask Jesus? in the safety of nighttime? Would you demand explanation? Proof? A mathematical formula? Or would you be open to hearing something challenging and beautiful that just leads to more questions? It's the journey, right? Curiosity begets belief, and belief for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Belief begets eternal life. The kingdom of God, of all of the good, of what can and what will be. In the name of God.